Hey everyone, my name is Asher Roddy. And this is Tyler Whipple. Welcome to Talking Two-Tone. We're thrilled to bring you a new and thought-provoking podcast that talks all things Tennessee Titans. Go ahead and reserve your ticket now. It's going to be an incredible journey. Tighten up. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Two-Tone. My name is Asher Roddy and I'm joined by the best in the biz, Tyler Whipple. And we have got a loaded podcast for you this week. We're talking all things Titans acquisitions. There have been some splash moves. We've got some Titans history for you. We got, you know, a little fun debate outside of the sport of football and, you know, kind of like what's left, what Tennessee, what we like to see them do, what the possibility is on on the draft and, you know, what, what else we think or we'd like to see John Robinson do. But anyhow, I mean, Tyler, what, what, what do you, uh, what do you think so far about the acquisitions, man? Uh, oh, it's an incredible week for us so far. Um, well, an incredible week last week. Um, the addition of Austin Hooper, I think we talked about a little bit about this last week in the podcast. We need that, three down tied in and there's somebody who can stretch the middle of the field which we've been missing so much since Delaney Walker's been gone and John o. Smith and the company Austin Hooper was a three-time pro bowler with Atlanta I believe he um he's a good blocker uh he he can stay in there and block him he's not an elite blocker like a Rob Gronkowski but the guy can do everything we need him to do he seems like when I watched the I don't know if you watched the opening press when he was brought in, but he seems like a Mike Vrabel guy. He was a little snarky, a little, uh, a little, I don't know, smart like. But he he seems like Mike Vrabel's type of guy, and I think it's really going to work here. Ryan Tannehill loves to have a big physical receiver in the middle, uh, whether that be the big slot like a Nick Westbrook Kina or um, a tight end. He we all know he loves throwing a tight end. We got a tight end centric offense. I think Austin Hooper really really works in this scheme, and I'm really excited about it. I love Austin Hooper. I've been bitching and moaning on this podcast for since the offseason started about having to carry three tight ends on the roster. It makes no sense. Nobody does it. It shouldn't happen. And now we've got that every down tight end. And you brought up a really good point. Our offense is one where a tight end can thrive, especially in the red zone. Johnny Smith got paid just because of his production in the red zone. I mean, Tannehill really missed last year, in my opinion, that safety blanket. When you get down there on the goal line and, you, you know, you're looking you, – everybody knows you're honing in on A.J. Brown. You're looking, you're looking for A.J. Brown to win that one-on-one, and then he's looking at Nick – no knock on Nick Westbrook Aquino. He played well for us, but he should not be your second read. You know, you're, you're, if you're go if you're reading left to right on a defense, especially that backed up in the end zone, you need to have someone where you know I can throw this ball a little bit off target. If it's a little bit high, they'll come down with it, and that is what Austin Hooper can bring to you. He's a mean, mean guy, and like you said, he fits the mold of the Vrabel team build that he wants. He wants a dirty guy who's going to talk shit down there in the trenches and who's going to talk shit and back it up. Like, you know, I love it. I love Austin Hooper because of the versatility he can bring and the ability for him to have to create more depth at other positions of need. Like carrying three tight ends is like the equivalent to me of carrying two fucking punters. All right. You don't need two punters. 
You don't need two punters on the active roster. If you have a punter that's questionable throughout the week, you go get one off the practice squad. All right? Three tight ends lets you do lets you add an extra offensive lineman or an extra cornerback depth or safety or, or, you know, a special team or something like that to where the position, you can never have enough depth at, at those positions. You just can't. Um, and I love that signing for that reason. That reason is my number one love of the Austin Hooper signing. Yeah, great, great points. Um, I think it really benefits, like you said, the entire side of the roster. We're really excited about Austin Hooper board. And uh, that wasn't the only acquisition that was made this year that was pretty splashy for the Titans. I mean, not maybe not splashy, but was definitely a need, and it was filled by the trade for Robert Woods for the uh, six-round pick, if I believe. I'm correct on that. Um, yes, you are. <laughs> So So it works out. We lost Julio, but we gained six with Robert Woods. So I think that's, I think that's pretty even there with Robert. What we can expect from him. Me and Ash were talking about it earlier. What Robert Woods brings to this, and a lot of people bring, call him Bobby Trees, by the way. So if, get used to that nickname because that's what it's gonna be called in Nashville. Bobby, Bobby Tree. God anyway. damn it, Bobby. <laughs> anyway, the guy is just absolutely. Um, a real team player, like we just talked about with Austin. There, every snap he can if he's healthy enough to do so. Uh, he can block his tail off. Great route runner, not the biggest guy, not the fastest guy, not the most elusive guy, but he can get open and create what we really, really need on the outside. He's kind of just physical and he moves guys around and gets open and creates space a little. He's really good about dropping around his chest. AJ's not really known to get a lot of separation. But he can catch that ball. This is a little. This is a different dynamic we're going to have on the other side of the ball with Robert Woods. He can get you two yards separation, be wide open there, and he's really good after the. The Rams used to let him run the ball. Uh, he, he's physical, like he fits the mold of the Titans. Like we talked about, Austin Hooper. I don't think thinking about it now, and maybe I'm just a homer or whatever you want to call me, but I don't know if we could have got a better guy for our system available at the time. Jarvis Landry, you could argue that, but Robert. It's this mold. He's such a team player, and I couldn't be more excited to get him. And uh, Asher, what's your thoughts on him? I love it. He's a lunch pail guy. I like to call him. A, I like to call these kinds of players lunch pail guys, where they do a lot of stuff extremely well that doesn't get noticed on the stat sheet. Like Robert Woods has one of the highest run block wins and of the wide receivers since he's been drafted. I believe he's hovered constantly around the top ten. And if if you want any testament. To, to what the Titans think about him and how long they thought this this highly of him. Go back to the week before – the week of us playing the Rams and look what Vrabel said about him. Like, he's loved this guy. He's obviously studied him. Um, Robert Woods is uh, – he is a master of his craft. And, and I, I don't say that very lightly because, you know, there are very few players where you can look at them and say that they are a complete master of their craft, Right. Like there, you you usually have wide receivers. You have usually have three of them that are playing every single down, and each one of them is brought in to do something different. Whereas like Robert Woods can do all of those things. Um, if you bring him in to play X, he can play X. If you bring him in to play slot, he can play slot. If you bring him in to play Y, he can play Y. And also the thing about it, the thing that I love, I mean, I love this about Robert Woods is how much his teammates praised him and how much the Rams organization mm. praised him. They did something that you'll very rarely see 
Um, and John Rob, this is also a testament to J Rob. They paid his salary bonus, his three point five million dollars, which is going to count against the cap. So now our cap hit is only ten million before we restructure him, which will happen almost immediately. Um, the Cooper Cup had a very heartfelt thing that uh, a post that he made about him as well. Uh, he, he Robert Woods. He's not he's not going to be a sexy sexy thing that you're going to see breaking news Tennessee Titans traded for Robert Woods. He but he is going to fill a very very large void that we have missed pretty much since Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker was at any given time he was the best wide receiver, best receiver on the field that Tennessee had and I feel like Robert Woods is very similar. He, he can't do the tight end stuff, but you know, run blocking on the left side where where we run left very heavily. He's incredible. Um, he can do jet sweeps. He can do bubble screens. He can run across the middle. He can do vertical routes. And the, his route running is top-notch. I'd probably put him top 10 in the league in route running. Um, I ha- I've heard the longest amount of time I've had I've had Amari Cooper as the best route runner in the league. Um, and I would even – and this is going to get a lot of flack. I would even argue right now that Robert Woods is a more polished overall wide receiver than A.J. Brown. Um, just, I'm get you a lot of flat for sure, <laughs> but but and I say this because of his ability to win without being physical, his ability to be precise in his route running, his ability to create separation based off of technique, turning of hips, you know, separation off the line by hand movement. Where you know AJ just kind of bullies you off the line. He's a big physical guy. Robert Woods can get physical and he can beat you with precision. What I would say uh, about Robert Woods is is he is an absolute top five number two in the league. I would, I, I mean, I mean you put T Higgins up there. I mean, if I'm just trying to think of off the top of my head who the number two receivers are in the NFL, Odell Beckham of course be up there if he resigns with the Rams. Um, Julio if he's healthy. Julio if he's healthy wherever he ends up, but he's probably going to be a number one if he goes to the Colts like we expect him to. But I think if, he's going to Green Bay if he goes to one there too. But if you think. Just number two receivers on Robert Woods has to be in that top five to eight category. And that is definitely going to be an upgrade from Julio Jones of last year if you look up based on production. We know what Julio did for us whenever he was field and what he did to help stretch the field. I think Robert Woods brings that in some, like you said, because he's more polished and he he blocks. uh, Maybe he's not just great, 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 great receiver but he is what he is and he's really well rounded real rounded in the things he does and i think he is number two and i think it really 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 benefits his offense so i like robert woods i agree go ahead well i mean i'm i'm big on this this offense now uh because you know last year tennessee's offense was kind of like that offense to where a couple of years ago when the Browns signed Odell and they had Jarvis and they had Nick Chubb and they had Kareem Hunt, and they had all these weapons on offense, right? They were all sexy acquisitions, big time, big name players. Whereas now Tennessee's got that more prototypical and I, I'm going to say it, it's a typical New England Patriots roster right now where you have your signature wide receiver one, you've got a solid wide receiver two, You've got two tight ends that both know their roles. You've got a heavy centered run game with a perfect run scheme, and you got a mean offensive line. This is like a two early two thousands Patriots team with a um, defense, dominant defense. With, with a 
dominant defense. And, you know, I've seen so many mock drafts of Tennessee taking um, Walker, the, the, the linebacker, for, or N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker from Georgia. If we take an inside linebacker in They're the first track. round of this draft, I will, I will run around Florida two miles in a row without any clothes on if we take <laughs> an inside linebacker. They're not taking. I will, they're not taking a backer. No, they're not. They will take offensive line, or they will take. They, if they take a DB, I'll be pissed too. I'll be pretty pissed if they take. I a would DB see them taking for... a DB before they would taking a linebacker. Oh that, yeah, that's just, absolutely. I think we linebackers have Zach are less. Monty Rice, and we have fucking David Long Jr. No way, no shot. You know, outside linebackers are solid. Bud Dupree and Harold Landry. There's no way they're taking them. So I just think it's a little. Asinine to consider that, but they don't even watch the Titans. That's what that tells me. You don't even know what the Titans are doing. It's like pro football focus. They look at David Long's Madden rating instead of what he does on the field. It's time for Titans history. Anyway, uh, let's to move on a little bit, guys. Bringing a new here. Well, not really a segment, but more of we're going to highlight former Titan players, maybe current players, depending on what week we're on. We're going to start with a number one, and we're going to work our way up to 99. We're going to highlight one player for the certain number that we're on that week. And this week, we're going to start with number one, of course. And uh, it's just to feed into a little bit of Titans history. Maybe you guys aren't long-term Titans fan. Maybe you haven't studied the franchise as well. It's going to kind of help you understand the two-tone blue and going back to the Oilers as well. Uh, this franchise has been around for a long time. There's a lot of great players that come through there, and we just want to highlight each one of those greatest players to wear the number that they had. So this week we're starting off with number one, and Asher will go ahead and let you introduce this guy. And I'll that and maybe tell you. It's the one and only Warren Moon, baby. Number one, Warren Moon. Um, arguably – arguably the greatest quarterback in Titans franchise history, Titans Oilers history. Um, the only other one right now that you can make an argument for would be Steve McNair, Eric McNair. Um, the guy is just an absolute beast. He played 17 seasons in the NFL. He was named the nine Pro Bowls. He received first-team All-Pro honors in 1990, I want to say. And uh, he, he also made seven playoff appearances with, with, the, with the franchise. Um, yeah, the guy was an absolute animal. Uh, he really kind of helped break that mold of, of African-American, you know, quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, so Mm -hmm. that was big, big for the, big for the franchise, big for the league to see that kind of happen. And then we all know what followed suit, Randall Cunningham, Aaron McNair, Michael Vick, all these elite kinds of players were, you know, you just kind of realized these guys can play quarterback. Yeah, the, 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 this is not a one race, you know, position. Speaking on that, uh, him and I uh, lose my brain here, but the guy from the Redskins who won the Super Bowl, him Doug and Doug Williams. Doug Williams were the ones that really catapulted the, the African American quarterback into the NFL. Um, people don't really remember or realize that Warren Moon had to go play in the CFL, Canadian Football League. For, let's see here, six years, he won five Grey Cup championships there. So that's just six more years, Warren. Building up Hall of Fame resume that he ended up achieving. So he's the only Hall of Fame quarterback that we have in franchise history. Now he didn't play the whole his whole career with the Oilers, but he did absolutely had his best years 
in the run and shoot offense with the Oilers. So Warren Moon was the offensive player of the year in 1990. He was NFL Man of the Year, which a lot of guys considered the greatest achievement you can have in the NFL. Most players say that. He was the NFL Man of the Year in 1989. He was second team All Pro in 1990, nine time Pro Bowler, as Asher said. He led the league in twice in passing yards. Uh, he led the league in passing touchdowns in 1990. His number one is retired by the Tennessee Titans, so that's kind of fitting to be the first week we do this. Uh, he's in our ring of honor. And he uh, he had 291 touchdowns, almost 50,000 yards passing for the 60 yards completion percentage, and he had 22 rushing touchdowns. The guy's full of accolades and achievements, and uh, like Asher said, definitely, definitely the best quarterback in our franchise's history. And uh, it's just a true testament to Warren Moon, and we, we appreciate what he's done for the franchise. Maybe there's another Warren Moon's. We got another Warren Moon coming soon. So that's our that's our first player of the week, and that was number one. And uh, next week, we'll- and uh, it was uh, when he could have had a 23 year NFL career at quarterback. Um, I don't know how in the world it took the NFL six years to realize this guy can play ball. Right. And, and it was a lot of racial undertones then. I mean, let's just say what it is. Back then, it was it was, it, it was based it was on bullshit. race. Yeah. yeah, it was bullshit. It was total it, bullshit. It was huge, had a cannon for an arm, was really precise and accurate, could move around. I think I should have been playing quarterback the first six years in the NFL. No way. Just, just consider if Warren Moon, he got drafted in 78 by the CFL, if he would have been on those uh, Steelers teams or – 1980s 49ers teams, 1980s Cowboys teams. If he would have been on those teams, how many Super Bowls would have been one? So, yeah, yeah, unreal, unreal. Um, yeah, shout out to Warren Moon. Um, he's just an absolute legend of the game. Like you said, like the NFL best man of the year. That that right there. Um, that and I believe that's peer voted. I believe that's voted by the players. Yeah, um, it, it is. Which is that just says even more of what the rest of the NFL collectively thought about the guy. Um, so whatever we have to say, his peers saw whatever we're saying before. We're, I mean, it's twenty twenty two now. We're talking about him, so and they saw this back in the nineties. Like so, incredible guy, incredible football player. Um, thank you, Warren Moon. Thank you, Warren Moon. And that's uh, that's been the segment for uh, Titans history. Uh, Now it's time for Talking Two Tones Fan of the Week. All right, guys, we've got another edition of Fan of the Week this week. We've got a a second time joiner of the podcast. It's Jeremy. Uh, he hosts the uh, Football's Family podcast. We really enjoy talking to him. He's a great guy, big Titans fan. Of course, we want to have all the Titans fans we can get on here. We love hearing you guys' feedback and what you think the team should be doing. We're just happy to have Jeremy back. Uh, he's really insightful, and we'll, we'll ask him some questions and uh, bring him right in. Ask you if you want to ask him the first question that we got. Absolutely. Also, guys, Jeremy really knows his stuff, so we really do value his his input on all of all, anything Titans related. So, um, with that being said, Jeremy, um, so far, like free agency's been kind of kind of been up and down for Tennessee. You know, there wasn't really anything going on. We were kind of stagnant for a little while there early on. And then, you know, every, as it happens every year, Titans Twitter overreacts, starts saying John Robinson isn't doing anything. 
and then he does something. He does it every year. Um, he doesn't let Twitter get to him. But with that being said, who would you say is your favorite acquisition acquisition so far this offseason? I before I get into that, but just relax. Let J Rob do his thing. Um, exactly. The reason why, again, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion that and a, and two dollars will buy you a, a, a cup of coffee or whatever. <laughs> Won't even buy you a tank a, 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 a gallon of gas anymore. It would not. But he knows he has the team now. He said it. He has the team now. So he had to go and keep the guys that he had. That was his main job. So if you're looking at acquisitions, uh, I would say a re-acquisition would be my thing, and that's Harold Landry. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm not – I looked around the free agency, and I saw great players, but I thought that we have to retain things, and we did. You know, the two big thing, Harold Landry, and then keeping, um, and keeping, keeping our center as well. Uh, ben Jones and also uh, Dontrell Hill, Hilliard. But if you want to go outside that, Austin Hooper to me and, and Jamarco Jones are two of the best ones that we had. But if I were to say my best acquisition, it was the free acquisition of Harold Landry. I like that. I really like that. Um, I love that you mentioned Jamarco Jones too. That was that was also a very kind of like sneaky, sneaky. yeah, sneaky pick. Uh, a line depth is. Pretty much, there's no price price tag for it. Yeah, Harold Landry though was a great re addition. You know, he's a he's a really hard player. He does everything. He's that Titans guy. You know, he's a he's a oh, complete Titan. You know, he just he's the mold that we have. We love Harold Landry. He's a great great signing by J Rob. But moving on, oh, uh, the, the second the second um, question we have for you, Jeremy, is should the Titans target another wide receiver in free agency? As of right now, no, no, uh, because I don't see somebody that would be that middle level player that the ten to twenty yards. We got AJ. AJ takes the top off. It should have been Julio. Julio didn't work out. We do have some good wide receivers in our inside the the camp right now. But to me, round two, round three, pick up a AJ Brown. You know, that's, you know, we got him. I, when, when they got him, I was like, who is A.J. Brown? Well, I, I ate crow at that time, and I'm okay with that. I don't mind being wrong. And, and I admit, A.J. Brown is, is probably my second favorite player on the Titans right now. Yeah. But um, I, I think that going and getting somebody right now on free agency is reaching. You can get somebody, and I'm looking at several of the mock drafts, and they have Titans, and we're going to get to that second, but they have Titans picking a wide receiver in the first round and they're picking the ones I've been looking at are picking uh, the 10 to 20 yard. They're going to be the uh, Cole Beasley's and the, in that type of mold right over the middle that if you have to get somebody on your third look, uh, Ryan's third look, that's the guy that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they got Austin Hooper to fill that void. So I, I agree yes. with you completely. Yes. Uh, that, that pick I've, I've heard negativity about him. It's like, just get the guy a chance. Uh, we've had several solid tight ends in the last three or four years. This guy might be more than the solid. He might be great. Yeah, he's a he's a former pro bowler. Um, didn't work out for him in Cleveland because I think just Cleveland's ineptitude to run a franchise correctly is, is just <laughs> going to paid, catch up. They paid him all that money and didn't play it. I mean, that's just crazy. Him. They franchise tagged Njoku, who he's going to be pissed off now. He's probably going to leave. Um, I, I just – I think, you know – 
there hasn't been a sexy free agency, you know, splash player, which I'm okay with. I'm really okay with that because most of the time when you have a sexy, you know, free agency kind of move, like we've had the last two off seasons with Julio Jones and Genevieve Clowney hasn't worked out. So go mm-hmm. get your lunch pail guys that you know that are going to produce that, you know, no, there aren't going to be as many eyes on them as possible. Um, like, I would probably say that 70% of the media that covers Tennessee Titans uh, football, it's going to be – they're not going to really talk about Austin Hooper, but the element that he adds to this offense takes us back to that 2020 and 2019 offense where, Mm -hmm. you know, the tight end in the red zone is such a dominant – you have to now – account for Tennessee's big bodied tight end to go in there and jag or snag a 50, 50 ball. Now, now, now um, look at, uh, listen, listen to this here for um, t- Tennessee Titans news, which Tennessee Titans.com. Great, great website. It says in five seasons, Hooper has played 88 games. Now listen to this tally two ninety eight catches for 3,024 yards. But the big thing is 23 touchdowns. So that means just about every Four catches, one is a touchdown. You want a big body Delaney Walker type guy who has enough speed to get to that second level. We got it. He said that he has 31 catches of 20 plus yards and four catches with for 40 plus yards. That's what we were lacking last year. Absolutely. Yeah. Great, great, great thoughts there. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's some great statistics to bring up. But I don't even think Anthony Ferkser, Jeff Swaim, and uh Michael Pruitt had twenty three touchdowns combined in their no. career. So no. I mean that just tells you the difference in what we have coming in now. And I believe he's also a pretty decent blocker too. If I it, it, they don't really have a lot of um stats on blocking. But oh, yeah, he's a three-down tight end. He's a three-down yeah, tight end. If you have yeah. a Mike Vrabel-type offense, you got to block. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, that's, and bringing that to the next thing, we kind of get into the draft there. Great points on Austin Hooper and great points on the wide receiver question as well. We, don't, we probably don't need to target one in free agency. But next next question for you, Jeremy, and this, the final question is, uh, who or what should the Titans target at the pick twenty six? Uh, in my opinion, and again, this is not even worth a gallon of gas. Um, <laughs> if I were to it, Matt, say Madden 23 rolls out and the Titans are picking 26, I would trade down to the second round. I don't see, of course, again, I don't have the eye like J-Rob does or the GMs, uh, but I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't pick anybody in this round. I would trade down because we don't have a second round draft pick. I would see if I could pick up a second and a third for this because you're not going to get a whole lot for it. But if I were to stay, um, I would go, I would go offensive line. I would go offensive line because you are looking to replace Stafford, uh, Stafford and uh, maybe, and, and maybe Taylor Lewan next year. Hmm. If I'm going to stay put, which, I wouldn't. I would say, who wants this pick? Because somebody's going to be – there's going to be a run on something. And yeah. somebody's going to jump up into this and say, can we do this? Jay Rob will look at it and say, well, we need a second-round draft pick. And we probably need another third or maybe pick up something in 2023. But I would look for the future and the present and pick me a right tackle, left tackle hybrid and throw him out there. 
and say, it's yours. It's yours, kid. Go get it. Because I think Taylor Juan, although I think he's still pretty good, is he going to be around next year? It's going to come down to salary cap for sure. I think, you know, if he's willing to restructure, I mean, he's not even top 20 paid left tackles right now. Uh, he's not top top 15, sorry. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you know, the more and more I think about it, I, again, offensive line is really the only thing right now Tennessee desperately needs. Um, and I think that position is even more so void at right tackle um, than, than guard. But I honestly, I don't like – I don't dislike that idea. I wouldn't mind trading 26, getting like, um, you know, maybe early 40s, late 30s, and yeah. then an early third-round draft pick. Because yeah. I feel like you can kill two birds with one stone there. I feel like you can go O-line second round, and then I feel like third round, if you get an early enough third-round pick, you can trade up both of those picks. If you see a guy that you like, i.e. John Mechie, who I think would be – a Perfect Tennessee Titan right there. He's physical. He's great off the line. He's a little bit undersized, but he's got a chip on his shoulder and he blocks well. Um, you can get you can get you can kill two birds with one stone right there. By and you also think about it. This the salary cap hit will not be so bad. Exactly. The guaranteed money would be gone. And I think even if you were to pick up two third round picks, say you get a second and a third, which is possible. Trade those up, get up to the front of the third round, and pick you a quarterback. Yeah, Sam Howell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, and keep in mind, Logan Woodside is okay, but do you really want him to be the quarterback of the future? Because Tannehill, I think this is it for him. Mm-hmm. If they don't go far into it, if they don't even go to the AFC Championship, I think that we, we will cut our losses. Pick you a quarterback for the future if you I, do the trade down thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mean we're all, we're going to be tied to Tannehill until at least after next year because of the cap the cap hit. Um, so if we don't make a deep run, if we don't win at least one playoff game, I think it's when we start looking at fielding trade offers for Tannehill. And um, you know, you say that Asher, but you know, look at the Matt Ryan situation. They, the Falcons just what took thirty five million dollars in cap hit loss this year. So, I mean, it could happen. Jeremy has a point. You know, the Titans could cut their losses if the season's disappointing this year. I, I think they could. But if we make the playoffs, though, the difference no, but, between Atlanta and Tennessee is Atlanta went 7-10 and 10 and Tennessee went 12-5. and five. Let me ask you all this real quick. I know it's way off the subject, but I'm having issues with the cap this year and with they're doing signing bonuses or not signing bonuses, but they're, they're giving a lot in incentives. And it, it seems like they're trying to play the cap game that they're pushing that the Titans especially are restructuring a lot of contracts. How does that go toward next year's cap? Oh, I can take this one. I can take this one right now. So it's signing bonus. And keep keep in mind I'm I'm talk down to me. My daughter, my eight year old daughter says, Daddy cannot help me with math because he doesn't know fractions. Talk down to me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not gonna talk down to you because I mean the cap to me the salary cap doesn't even really exist. But and I'm about to tell you why. So when you restructure a contract, you're basically kicking money down the road. You're kicking the can down the road. You can add more void years. You can add more uh, more money backloaded on the end of a contract. Is what it's kind of what we did when we traded for Julio. We backloaded contracts. Perfect example: Ryan Tannehill. We moved money towards these two years of his deal. Um, and so when you restructure, you're constantly seeing like 
Tennessee's approaching players who have been franchise players and restructuring them because they don't have the intention of cutting them. Um, so look at Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard's already restructured, I think, three times. Um, if he restructures, sorry, if he restructures this year, it'll be the third time he's restructured. Kevin Byard's going to be a Titan for life. Um, so when they do this, when you restructure a player's contract, you're adding the cap hit. You're declining pretty much. You're decreasing the cap hit for this year and kicking it down the road at a later date. And you're adding, and when they do that, you usually add void years or you make up that money to the player in the form of a signing bonus, which doesn't count against the 20, the, that year's cap hit. Um, so it's just kind of like upfront money. Um, also, there are other, multiple other ways to where you can, you can, you know, add money in there and take away from the guaranteed money. It's incentive based. Um, so perfect example if a receiver goes for 110 catches, like if AJ Brown, he probably has a catch incentive in there. If he has, you know, 88 catches or something like that, he gets, you know, a $1 million bonus. Uh, we saw it. We saw it. We, that's why Antonio Brown claims mm. he got so upset uh, because they took him out and didn't want to give him his bonus. But um, that's a great way of voiding guaranteed money against the cap. Um, and also the dead cap hit. That's really the number yeah. that's really, really important. So a dead cap hit is money that is just going to count against the cap. Um, so, for example, we were owed – we were going to have to pay Julio a little over $9.5 guaranteed money. Um, the dead cap hit – after we cut him was a little over three. So we saved six million against this year's cap by cutting Julio. And then so Roger Saffold was owed, I think, twelve. His dead cap was gonna be twelve. So uh or his dead cap was gonna be nothing, I think, if we cut him. Or it was very, very minimal. Um so you want it, those are the players that you can just look at and tell probably a cap casualty. The players whose dead cap is the lowest who have very high guaranteed money. Um, so usually kickers don't have very high guaranteed money. Special teamers don't. Um, backups. The reason why um, another – the stupidest free agent signing this year in free agency is um, – what, what's his name? I can't even think of his name from, from Jacksonville who just, who just signed that. Christian ridiculous. Kirk. Yeah. yeah, Christian Kirk, right? Yeah. His contract, if it is becomes fully guaranteed, which is incentive waste right now, he will become the third highest paid wide receiver in the league. And even if he doesn't get all that guaranteed money, he has been not guaranteed to be no lower than ninth unless another wide receiver signs a ridiculous offer, no lower than ninth based off of guaranteed money. So it's all the, – the cap basically runs down to guaranteed money that is allocated against the 2022 year. And the reason why I say the cap doesn't really exist is because it just keeps getting higher. So in the, you can restructure, you can kick it down the road, you can kick it down the road, wait for the cap to go up. And then, you know, that hit is, 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 is substantial. Um, franchise tagging is always a terrible, terrible move because it, it's guaranteed, 100% guaranteed money. Yeah, you all um, do that to, to really, really tough franchise tags. Asher? Is an absolute cat nerd, as you guys can tell. And Jeremy, I don't know if you know that or not, but now you do. Well, I'm, I, I can respect nerddom. Uh, you need to come and help me handle my cat situation on Madden this year. It's not good. Uh, I, it, by the way, I, and on the way off the subject, back in 19, I want to say it was 1994 or 95, maybe. Uh, no, 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 excuse me. It was 2000. 
on Madden, I ran into a major cap issue trying to keep Eddie George and Steve McNair. The cap that year, if I remember correctly, and I might be off, was around thirty-seven to forty million dollars. Now it's two hundred and eight. Think about that. Now it's two hundred and eight million. It's only going to go up. Yeah. So you you want to talk about back then as compared to now? They didn't have a fifty million dollar quarterback. No. Yeah. We got what? We got like five now. Well, Rodgers is officially the first one, but these guys next year, the top tier guys are all going to be in the fifty million dollar range. We're going to have five or so. Yep. It's nuts. It really is nuts. Why you? Why you get those rookies? It's why you get those rookie contracts. Yes. I want to say Sam Bradford really messed that up for the rookies. (laughs) Yeah, he did. He did. Sam Bradford did it. Ruined it for the rookies. And Kurt Cousins ruined the franchise tag for, for everybody. Kurt Cousins yes. is the reason why you don't ever want to franchise tag a player unless you absolutely have to. They franchise tagged him three times in a row, I believe, in Washington. Oh, yeah. 40, is, $40 million, 20, 30. It was, it was insane. Yeah, and you saw the amounts just keep going up. I think it was like 28, then like 35, and I think it was like 42 million. You know, just by franchise. If, you, if it takes you three years to figure out if that's going to be your guy or not, He's not your guy. But um, that's the commanders for you. Exactly. <laughs> that's the commanders. Yeah. I hate yeah. saying that. Absolutely hate saying that because every time I think of that, I think of Cobra Commander and then I think of Dan Snyder and they're the same person. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> guys, <laughs> guys, tighten up. Tighten up. Thank tighten you, Jeremy. Up, Jeremy. Thanks for coming on. Thank you.